Man, thank you, Tirza. Good to have, uh, let's see where she is. Uh, there you are. Good to have you back from Brazil. <laughs> and this is John's first and Linda's first Sunday morning in the new year. Good to have you. They were here. They missed because of snow and they missed because they were sick. But he told me this morning, he says, Pastor, this is the first Sunday I've been here all year. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Maybe you feel like one guy told me, he said, I tried 2021 and I don't want it anymore. Maybe he said, I've had enough of 2021. Well, there's one thing we all can do and we can run the race that God has for us. Maybe you feel like you've ran some races this last week and you're exhausted. But I'm thankful the Bible tells us that we're all in a race. And this was written to uh, Hebrew Christians who had uh, started out strong. And it's exciting to be around new Christians. They have this zeal about them, this excitement about them. And um, they get around older Christians and they kind of lose that excitement or after they've been saved a while. I remember one lady years ago, uh, she got saved in our church and she said, Pastor, can we have church every single night? And I'm thinking, you'd probably be the only one that would come every time. I said, that's a good idea. Uh, I remember uh, several people getting saved and they have a desire to see others come to Christ. They have this passion, overwhelming passion to see their uh, relatives, and their friends and uh, neighbors come to Christ. Well, the believers... At the early church, they were excited about the things of God, the Hebrew Christians. They were excited about God. Their sins are forgiven. They're on their way to heaven. But then after a while, that excitement wore out. And after that excitement wore out, they started facing problems and persecution. So they wanted to go back to the old way of Judaism. And Paul's warning them, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And there are a lot of starters, and we're not talking about you can't lose your salvation, and praise the Lord for that. But when you start the race that God has for us, it's important that we finish. And maybe some of you feel like right now, oh, Lord, come quickly. Hebrews chapter 12. Remember this. The Apostle Paul many times compared the Christian life to an athletic event to wrestling, uh, to boxing. Uh, now he compares it to a race. We're not running against each other. And it's so easy to think you are. It's not you competing against another brother in Christ. It seems like today that a lot of Christians have no desire to finish the race. I don't know why anyone would enter a race and not have a desire to win that race. Another thing about running, it's not your energy, it's God's energy. And too often we faint and we quit and we give up because we're trying to run because of past experiences or because of our upbringing or because of our dedication or our discipline. No, we must rely upon the strength of God. Hebrews chapter 12 this morning Paul writes, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray. Father, oh, I pray this morning that all of us would realize that we're running a race not against each other and not for self, but for you. Lord, I pray this morning that we would understand we're in this race because you have put us in this race. And this race starts at the moment we're saved. Lord, help us all to realize we're not in competition against other people, other Christians. But Father, we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray that uh, you'd guide my mind, my lips, and Lord, those people that are listening, I ask that they would listen not only with their ears, but with their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week I preached, preached from Matthew chapter 14 when Jesus walked on water. Remember Matthew chapter 14 begins with uh, the feeding of the 5,000. And the disciples saw that wonderful event that's recorded in all four Gospels. It was a tremendous event. And they saw Jesus perform a miracle and they were, after the people had uh, filled themselves up with the bread and the, the fish, there were 12 baskets full. Then Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to get in this boat and I want you to go to the other side of the Lake of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee. And so they got in this ship and they had done this many, many times, made this journey. And as they were going across the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is on a mountain praying. And he's praying for his disciples. Remember what I said last week? Many times God puts us in a storm. And in the course of life, that course that God has for us, God has ordained our steps. And so the disciples, in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, they encountered this terrible storm, and they were uh, uh, experienced fishermen. And the wind, the Bible says, is contrary against them. And they're trying to get to a certain location. The wind's blown against them, and it's dark. And they saw Jesus walking on the water. And they thought it was a ghost. And the disciples cried out for fear. And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come upon the water. And so Peter steps out of the boat and he walks on the water. Amazing. And then the Bible says, when he looked at the wind boisterous. Now, you can't look at wind, all right? You can see what wind does, all right? It knocks trees over and it's uh, uh, swaying trees and uh, the destruction of houses. And I, I'm sure what Peter did, he looked at the waves. Instead of Jesus Christ. You know, folks, we're good at looking at waves. It only takes one wave to knock you down. It only takes one wave to put you under. And this morning, instead of looking at Jesus Christ, we can look at the waves. And every trial we face has its own set of waves. It might be a financial wave this morning. You're thinking, 
There's all kinds of waves. Um, oh, I can't make my next car payment or house payment. What if I lose my job? We'll be able to have enough money to buy food. And there's all kinds of waves. What about health issues? The wave of cancer. The wave you don't feel good anymore. The wave that you're getting older. The wave that you might get the coronavirus. You know people now that have it. And you might be the next person. And you know people in the hospital. You know people that have died from it. You've read on the news. And so there's those waves. And it's so easy to get our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a wave of finances. The wave of health issues. There's a wave of relationships too. You say, I, I don't have a good relationship anymore with my, this person. It might be a spouse. You say, all we do is fight. We can't talk about anything very important. And so there's those waves. What happened to Peter? When he focused upon the waves, he began to sink. Folks, there's kind of all kinds of waves when we think about our government. All kinds of waves. I hear people talking about the waves. All kinds of if, what if thinking. Will there be a United States in a year from now? What will happen with the uh, election? Or we already know what happened with the election, but when he gets uh, uh, placed in office, one in office, uh, there, there's all kinds of waves. There's only one answer to those waves. And that's looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when I get up in the morning, I think about the waves of life. And you do too. I talked to a lady yesterday and she said that 3.30 in the morning she would wake up. And I said, you're probably not focusing on good things. She said, no. Because we focus on the waves of life. And folks, those waves will affect us. There's only one answer. That answer is to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep her eyes focused on him because God never changes. And it doesn't matter how many waves are out there. Focus on Jesus Christ. In fact, if we realize the benefit of those trials, we would thank God for the trials and ask God to send more. Now, when I read that, I said, Lord, I'm not there. <laughs> There's no way. I'm like, Lord, don't send any more trials. And you are too. Uh, we don't like the trials of life. But if we really believe the benefit of those trials, we would say, Lord, send more trials because they build me. Uh, they build my faith. Now let's look at this text this morning, verses 1, 2, and 3. First of all, we see the crowd. The crowd. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now many people have interpreted this verse wrong. Uh, they, they teach that the people in heaven can see us right now. I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible's teaching that. I've heard some moving stories. I remember hearing about a high school football player. He was a senior, and he uh, was a star on the football team, and his dad could never see a game because his dad always worked at night. And his football games were Friday nights. One day, his dad was driving, got into a terrible accident, and lost his life. And this young man played football that Friday night, had his best game ever. 
And they were interviewing the young man. He said, you know, I played for my dad because this is the first time my dad was able to see me. Now, that's a moving story. But folks, that is not what Paul is talking about. I believe there's cloud of witnesses. Speaking of people, and a cloud would be a multitude of people that have run the race before us. In the preceding chapter, the Apostle Paul deals with those men and women that had run the race of faith. It wasn't easy for them. It was difficult because many of those people, the Bible says at the end of the chapter, uh, were sold in two. They were killed by the sword. They were thrown into a lion's den. Uh, it wasn't easy. But I think of Abel. By faith, Abel offered up a more, a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. I, I think of Noah. When God said to Noah, Noah, I want you to build an ark. It had never rained before. Now, now, folks, what if God told you to build something like that? You can't just hide it in your backyard and put a, some tarp over it and keep it from out of sight of your neighbors. They're going to see it. There's a big ark. And as he's building for 120 years, people are mocking him and laughing at him. But by faith, Noah built that ark. I think of Moses, when Moses, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. By faith. And then Abraham. The Bible talks about the faith of Abraham. When God told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to move from your town. Well, God, where are we going? I'll tell you later. Just get up and move. Folks, that would be tough. And so what Paul is saying, people have run the race by faith before us. If you think your life is hard and difficult, join the club because others have run the life or run the race by faith. Then I see, secondly, the coaching. Playing sports growing up, I've had a lot of different coaches. Some were paid and some were unpaid and some were volunteers. But I know this about every coach. Every coach wanted to win. Now, the coaches weren't perfect, because I remember some of the coaches even admitted, I, I should have left this player in, he got his fifth foul, he fouled out of the game. I should have run, run this play. But folks, all of us, if we're saved this morning, we have a perfect coach in God Almighty. He's never made a mistake, and he will never make a mistake. So he gives us some advice in running the race First of all, he says, there's a crowd. Uh, there's people that ran before you. And folks, there are people that are running the race right now. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run, the, run with patience the race that is set before us. So Paul included himself, let us, he said. Run this race. The race begins at the moment of salvation. Let me ask you this morning, are you in the race? It's easy to be a great starter, but are you in the race now? See, the race doesn't end until we get to heaven. Unless Jesus Christ comes or unless he takes us by death. And the race is not a sprint. 
It'd be nice if it was a sprint, wouldn't it? It'd be nice, you know, say, I served the Lord for a year of my life, or I served the Lord for five years of my life. But it's a marathon. And Paul says, let us lay aside every weight. You think it'd be ridiculous if a basketball player was playing a game in ankle weights, or had a weight, a, a, a weight, weighted belt on. You think that's ridiculous? And if you watch any baseball, many times the baseball players will practice with a, a little ring made out of metal, and, and they put it on the end of their bat to swing. They don't get up there in, in a game and swing with that metal ring around their bat. And the thing that Paul is talking about, let us. It may not be bad in itself. It may not be evil, but it's keeping us from running the race. Think if you went to the Boston Marathon and all these people are lined up to run, thousands running that race. And you see all these slender athletes ready to run. And then you see this guy and he has a parker on and he has cowboy boots. And you're thinking to yourself, what is he doing? And he has a backpack on. And so you go up to him and you say, what's the backpack for? And he says, I have soda in there just in case and I have Twinkies. <laughs> you're going, this guy is not going to be able to fit. He might throw up. He's not going to run the Boston Marathon. And that's what Paul said. How many Christians are trying to run the race with weights? It might be a hobby that keeps you from the Lord Jesus Christ because whatever keeps our minds off Christ is a weight. Worry, fear, anxiety are just signs that we're not looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time worry comes into my heart, when panic comes into my life, when there's fear, anxiety, depression. That's a sign that I'm not looking, I'm not keeping my eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, let us lay aside every weight. The word weight simply means a bulk. Every single one of us has been hurt in church. Some people have been hurt many times. I've talked to people that said, well, I got hurt in church. I'm not going back to church. You know, the devil loves it when you get hurt in church because you don't expect it. Oh, why? And that's a weight, folks. People today are not what they used to be because they got hurt. Remember, the devil cannot take your salvation away from you, but he can take your joy. He'd love to rob you of your joy this morning. The joy of the Lord. That could be a weight in our life. That leads to discouragement. The army of Alexander the Great conquered many, many cities. When they would go into a city and conquer the city, afterwards Alexander the Great said, you can have the spoils, whatever you want. Now imagine going into someone's house and you're taking whatever you wanted. Oh, I like that picture. I like that vase. I like that money. So you take it with you. And after several victories, they're on the road and they're marching. And Alexander the Great could see that this, these spoils were slowing his army down. 
And so Alexander the Great realized there was another army that was pursuing them. And so he commanded his soldiers to get rid of their spoils. Well, the men did not like it. The men protested, but they obeyed Alexander the Great. They got rid of some of the spoils. And one man wrote, it was like wings were given to us because we could march a lot faster. I'm wondering this morning, are we not running in the race of life because that weight? Now, not a bad thing. Maybe something bad that happened to us. It could be a hobby. It could be shopping. It could be whatever. I've been reading a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer said that very few, very few Christians, including myself, find their satisfaction in God. And we spend our entire life trying to find our satisfaction in things. And Solomon already tried it. He said, whatever my eyes saw, I got. He said, if I saw a house, it was mine. If I saw gardens, they were mine. Whatever my eye beheld, I saw. Wouldn't that be great? You're driving through a neighborhood and you say, wow, I like that car. It's mine. So you go up to the owner and say, I'll give you twice as much for that car. Of course he's going to let his car go. And you're driving through a neighborhood and you see a house. He says, I like that house. It's mine. And Solomon said, it's all vanity. Because what happened when the sin nature came into our life at the moment of salvation? We began to believe the lie that satisfaction can be found in things and not in the Lord Jesus Christ. I told God yesterday, I said, God, I'm not there, but I want to be there. I want my satisfaction to be in Christ because God never changes. Things change. And whatever you put your hope in, it's not a lasting hope. You can lose your possessions. You can lose your job. But if your hope is on God, God never changes. So he says, await. And then the sin which does so easily beset us. That means to entangle us. That's what sin does. I remember talking to several men. It said it was like having a hole in my heart. The sin was. And whatever gospel I got, it went right out that hole. The sin that so easily besets us, keeps us from running the race. God has a race for us. James 4, 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now folks, we focus on the sins of commission. And the sins of commissions are things that we do that are wrong. But what about the sins of omission? James said, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. What should you be doing this morning that you're not? Are you running the race? Life is a long distance race. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, 
and let us run with patience. The word patient means endurance. It means to remain under. Isn't it interesting that God knows what would keep us from running the race? It's those hard and difficult times when you're ready to give up. And Paul says later on, don't faint in your minds. Before you faint physically, you faint mentally. You give up in your mind. You say, I- I've had enough. I just want to move away. I, I just want an easy life. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience, with endurance. Notice the last part of verse 1. The race that is set before us. Your track, your route is different than mine. We often do. We complain about our course. God, I don't like my course. I don't like the cancer. I don't like the family problems. I don't like the financial problems. I don't like the storms in life. Aren't you thankful God didn't say when you get saved, here's all the storms you're going to go through? We say, forget it. God says you're going to go through some storms. And I'm going to be with you through every storm. And I'm going to give you grace. Years ago, when the kids were younger, we would go hiking a lot. Free activity, a lot of fun. And something I would do a lot is... um, I did too many times because I caught on. I, I would kind of slow down a little bit and be in the back of the group, and I'd pick up a rock or a, a twig. And then I'd throw it up in the air and put, leave my hands hanging to the side, and they'd hear this noise out in the woods, and I'd oh, a bear. But right away, they would stand real close to me. But then after a while, when I did not throw anything up, they heard a noise, they'd say, Dad, it's just you. Well, what if it's a bear? Well, many times... When you go on one of these uh, hikes, at the very beginning, there's many parks have had this. Uh, they'll have a picture of the different routes. And they'll have trail one, trail two, trail three, trail four, trail five, trail six. And they'll say trail one is an easy trail. In fact, it's paved. It's less than a half a mile. You think, oh, that's a good trail for me. This trail two is easy. Trail three is moderate, a little harder. Trail four gets harder. Trail five is rugged, it's hard. Trail six is for the experts. I mean, you have trees you gotta climb over. Uh, you have valleys, uh, you have mountains. You see, no way. You know, in life, God picks out our course. He's in control. And what we're saying is, God, I want trail one. God says, no, I don't want you to have trail one. You're in trail five. I don't want trail five. I want trail one. Less than a half a mile. All paved. Easy. I don't like trail five. Sometimes he'll give you trail six. No, we do. We grumble. We complain. We say, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. God says, I'm your perfect coach. I know more about you than you know about yourself. I am working on you. 
And I would not give you a trail that's too hard for you. And folks, instead of complaining and grumbling about life, let's thank God that he's with us. Thank God he is a perfect coach. Thank God that he knows what he's doing. So we see, first of all, the crowd, the coaching. Then we see the command. In verse 2, this is essential. Looking unto Jesus. He didn't say looking unto yourself. We do that naturally. We get up in the morning, what do we do? We go to the bathroom and we look in the mirror. We look at self. He says, looking unto Jesus. When you think about sin, it's focused on self. When you think about discouragement, it's focused on self. We have a self problem. He said, looking unto Jesus. You talk about what you think about. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Paul then said, don't look to others. Because when you're running a race, you're not looking at the crowd. And you're not looking at those runners around you. You don't turn your back or turn your head around and, and, and look behind you. You're looking at the finish line. And what Paul said, looking into Jesus. He's the author. He ran his race. And he completed it. And it affects every one of us this morning. I think of the Lord Jesus Christ when he's getting ready to face the cross of Calvary. And he said, Lord, if there's some other way, if there's some other way, but if not, not my will, but thine be done. You see, we're running not to please self. You're running not to please your family. You're running not to please your pastor. You're running to please your Heavenly Father. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Aren't you glad that God finished or Jesus finished for us? He completed his course. I am thankful this morning that God did not give me the course that Jesus took. I mean, think about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He grew up to poor parents. Just think of the scandal that was taking place. He grew up in Nazareth. His dad died when he was younger. He was falsely accused. People hated him. They wanted to kill him. He was perfect. He died on the cruel cross of Calvary. And all of us this morning, it's easy for us to come up with reasons why we do what we do. Well, it's my upbringing. If I had more money, it's this person. If they hadn't done this to me. Folks, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible says, looking into Jesus... 
the author and finish for faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Isn't it interesting how Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ? It doesn't say, follow Jesus, whose life was easy, who walked on water. Follow Jesus, who performed miracles. Follow Jesus, who raised the dead. Follow Jesus, who never had a problem. You know what he says? He said, look into Jesus, the author, and finish for faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I'm thankful that I don't have to endure the cross. Aren't you thankful you don't have to endure the cross? So what is the answer to life right now? Looking unto Jesus. Get your eyes off the government. Get your eyes off your problems. Look to Jesus Christ. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Verse 3, for consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So Paul said, look unto Jesus. He's the author and finisher of your faith. It's not going to be easy because we're not in heaven yet. But look to Jesus. If you don't look to Jesus, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to faint in your minds. You see, when I begin to look at other people and I compare my life to theirs, and I think, oh, they got a much easier life. You know what they're probably thinking? Well, I wish I could be like the pastor. He has a much easier life than I do. God says, stop doing that. He said, you look to Jesus. When you get hurt, look to Jesus. When you're going through a trial, look to Jesus. After you read the newspaper or you look at your smartphone, look to Jesus. Someone said every time you read the news one time, you need to look to Jesus ten times. I believe that's right. Look to Jesus. Folks, if you want to keep from fainting spiritually, look to Jesus. Because all these things are trying to distract us from our course. And our course will be different than the person next to us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He does understand. He's been there. He's experienced everything you are experiencing. And he says, just look to me. Because I live in you. And if you need energy, if you need strength, you become weak and I'll be your strength. The great missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, was going through a difficult time. He was fighting depression. Financially, he was hurting. His wife died, had to bury her. Several of his kids died. Folks, if that happened to you, you'd say, forget it, I'm done. And he wrote in his journal, he said, when the stress and the pressure of life comes upon you, just make sure the pressure is on the other side and it drives you to God and not away from him. 
Let the pressure drive you to God and not away from God. They say that 70% of drivers are distracted at some time. Maybe you were distracted this morning coming in. I remember in Chicago one time, I was stuck in traffic. I looked over, and here was a lady curling her hair. She had it plugged in her cigarette lighter. I've seen many ladies putting on makeup in the car as they were driving. And many times people are distracted with switching the radio or trying to set their clock or trying to find some station. Many people are distracted when they're eating. Or maybe the kids distract them. Or cell phones, texting will distract you. They said 20, over 25% of all accidents are caused by distracted drivers. They found this out because the American Automobile Association set up video cameras in the cars of many people without telling them and they were able to find out what distracts people. But most people don't worry about it because they never got into an accident. But folks, we're all distracted when we drive. And spiritually, we're distracted too. Whatever keeps your eyes off Jesus Christ is a distraction. It might be a sin. It might be something that's good. But if it's keeping your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not good. Because in Jude 22, it says that if some have compassion, making a difference. And as Christians, our eyes are not on the Lord Jesus Christ. And his last command was make disciples, tell people about Jesus Christ. And we're so focused on the government, we're focused on our problems We've been distracted from the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to get our eyes back on Jesus Christ. He is the only answer. It doesn't matter how many waves there are out there. It matters that there's one Savior, Jesus Christ. He saved you from all your sins. The penalty of sin. But he can save you from the power of sin as well. Let's bow our heads from the 